it's Evo, and this is Three Clips, a Castos original. Actually, it's the uh, end of season two of Three Clips, a Castos original, and Stuart and I thought that you might want to to know that. We don't want to leave you hanging, as it were. Yeah, right. I mean, you don't want to be, we don't want everyone to be kind of like waiting on pins and needles for, for that next episode to drop and, and not have anything to show the people. So this this is it. This is our way of saying season two has come to its conclusion. And it's been a good season, I feel like. I think we, we really put our best foot forward, you and me. And uh, if we can pat ourselves on the back for a moment. Yeah. You know, I think one of the, Evo, if I can kind of just jump in, jump in here and talk a little bit about how we approached three clips this season. Obviously, it was a bit of a transition period with Jay stepping aside and moving on to, to other things. And I, I came into season two really with two goals. One, just to kind of make a podcast that we can present in an aesthetic way that sounds really good, that was highly produced. And I'll let other people decide whether or not we accomplished that. But I think we did. If I can, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I think we did. I think we did it. I think we got that. The second thing I really wanted to accomplish with this season was featuring, you know, a different array of podcasts out there. You know, one criticism I hear from a lot of people who, who listen to podcasts, even from people who make them, is they always say, why does every podcast sound the same? Which is kind of an interesting critique because I don't agree with it at all. I think people listen to a lot of the same podcasts or the same type of podcasts by people similar, of similar origins, of, of similar, you know, of, of similar backgrounds. And even good podcasters can fall into that trap, I think, of making something that sounds pretty similar to something else. But I think in a way we pushed back against that a little bit here in season two. Because if you look at everything we featured from How to Start a War, which was nonfiction technically, but was presented like a old-fashioned radio drama, to Nice Try with Avery Truffleman, which I would say was done in the public radio tradition, very classic narrative-style podcast, world-class reporting, very, very nicely done, to something kind of like a simple Her Story, which, you know, how, how in the world did they think of that of that format? That was pretty unique. So I, I I was I wanted you know to get the idea out there to people that you know podcasts all it really is from a technical standpoint is an RSS feed that you distribute to the internet or that you distributing audio to the internet through an RSS feed. Beyond that, really, the world is is your oyster. And I thought we had a pretty good lineup of guests that I think reflected that philosophy pretty well. Yeah, I I think so too. I don't think it's possible to cover every potential format of podcasts there are, but we gave it a pretty good run at showing the diversity. So hopefully we inspired some podcasters, existing podcasters, brand new podcasters. Hopefully we inspired some of them, some of you out there who've been podcasting for a while or you're brand new at podcasting to really explore the various options. You have so many things you can do with this format. Beyond the eight episodes you heard from us, there are probably a hundred more uh, ideas and variations on those. So hopefully you took some inspiration from those and are thinking differently about your next project. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting how you mentioned whether you're a new podcaster or an existing one. And I've actually got a question for you, Evo, because you've been doing this longer than I have. You were, you were one of the forebearers, one of the pioneers of podcasting, if I may. That's not hyperbole either. I mean, 
you had the 40th one, I think, that ever existed. So here's my question for you. 17, 18 years making podcasts, ra- internet radio before that, traditional radio before that. You've got experience. Did we talk to anybody this season that made you rethink or re-examine how you make audio? Did you did you come away from any of these interviews with like a new perspective on it? Or was all of this something in some form or another that you had encountered? Look, I took inspiration from every single person we spoke with. I mean, I think that's the beauty of Theory Clips is we can go deep into the creative processes behind podcasters. Why do they make these decisions? And so while some of the formats were definitely stranger to me than other formats, like you you mentioned a simple her story, or we could talk about Sam Greenspan's show, Bellwether, those were very odd. uh, And, but also a lot of fun to listen to. And I, and I finding out why they did that is, is great. But then the more of the the straight style of stuff we talked with Dan Cable, who makes an interview show, but the reasons of why he goes deep and how he views the process, you know, it's it's a new takeaway each time. Just just less about the how they do things, but more of the why, what are the decisions behind there, uh, I think really can help any podcaster at, at any level uh, grow and, and understand. And as you said, I've been, I've been doing this for roughly 20 years now. And if I can take away something from eight conversations, any podcaster can find takeaways in any of these conversations, I think. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I, I think Dan Cable is, is such a good example of how a podcast can be such an iterative process. I think a lot of people could get really easily kind of stuck in this way of, or in this kind of single track mind of, well, this is the show and I'm not changing it. And I think having the insight yeah. to kind That's of, very easy. again, like reframe how you think about it and him going from almost this DIY, very, you know, minimal editing with his long interview styles to just tweaking that a little bit. He didn't drastically change philosophically how he makes them. He didn't change at the core what the show is. That hasn't changed at all. But the presentation changed a little bit and particularly when you're talking about something like music it's really hard i think maybe to paint that picture of what the music sounds like without that example that's why i call that episode show don't tell that's why audio can be such a great medium if you can if you can bring in other bits of audio you know from another source which in this case was was brandy's music i i I thought that was that was very powerful it gave that little thing, which is not a ton of extra work, right? I mean, if we can talk talk nuts and bolts a little bit, you're literally dragging an MP3 file into a multi-track session and just blending it under the conversation. It doesn't take that long. It's not very hard to do. But that little thing, that little tweak, I think is the difference between that being just another, another interview show already essentially exists to being something that like that with a drag of your mouse and a little bit of thoughtfulness makes a difference between, you know, a podcast that sounds like everything else and one that sounded uniquely to Dan Cable. And so big, big props to him for, for making that decision. It's, it's hard. I've produced podcasts for a lot of people (laughs) and I used to beg people think differently about it. Try this. Very rarely do they take you up on that. So that's, I, I was I like his show in general. I think I like his interview style. I like his energy. I like the range of guests he features. 
I like that it's almost got that kind of local public radio feel to it since it's somewhat specific uh, uh, specific to the Pacific Northwest. But uh, yeah, that that in general was a big thing for him. You you mentioned the word thoughtfulness, and I'll and I'll change that to intentionality. And I think that is something that all of the guests we had on our show this season had, and that was intentionality. They they went in with a purpose. There was something they were trying to do, whether it was a very large, high concept, you know, uh, full on audio drama, or whether it was something much more straightforward, telling a hacker story like we heard from with Jack Recider, uh, or as you mentioned right there with Dan Cable doing the interview with little things. Intentionality matters. Putting some intentionality into your episodes as a podcaster matters. And, and I say that because I know, like you, I know a lot of podcasters uh, who are podcasting and they're just kind of going through the motions. It's not, you know, they, they, have a, they have a process and maybe that process is great and fine, wonderful. Um, but oftentimes they don't. They're just, they, they listen to a show and that's the show that they want to put out pre, uh, on a regular basis and they do it and they, and they don't change, they don't modify. And to me, I, I think things gets, just get too stale. I can't, I can't change, I can't go a couple of weeks without making a modification to the shows that, that I do. For, for me and for my clients, we're always in the middle of making changes. And I think that's super important to, to get out and understand what's happening. And that's what I loved about hosting three clips this season was really unpacking those creative processes behind these eight different shows, showing me and hopefully showing all the listeners, you know, a different way to look at various things in podcasting. You and I both, both started out in radio. And I think what, What's challenging about that was I used, I used to make or, or write and edit these really brief radio stories, right? And so writing for that specific medium where it had to fit into a format was incredibly frustrating sometimes because invariably, you know, you're leaving things out that you wanted to include. And every single week, every single Wednesday, that 90-second spot had to be made pretty much exactly the same way because it's going out. It's got to go out. It's got to be in that. It's got to be within that time frame, and there wasn't really room to experiment with that, and it, it got stale. Now, I mean, it served its purpose. I'm not knocking it. I think I think it's an, I think it was an important time for me personally, and it, it was a good skill set to have. But I think when we talk about podcasting being radio reimagined, and that's the case for some podcasts, not all of them. But if if we're gonna just stick with that concept, radio reimagined, well. Hopefully it's imagined in a better way and you're tweaking things to fit, you know, your specific format or for your medium. And with a podcast, there, there's really no reason that I can think of to do everything exactly the same all the time. Every episode from now until the end of, you know, the Internet, <laughs> until the until, uh, you know, bellwether <laughs> comes true. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's great that. People, even even in a limited series like How to Start a War, I mean, even Michael Chapani was making, and he said as much, was making tweaks to his production process. He he had a much heavier hand, I think, probably with chapter three onward, versus if you go back and listen to like his first two episodes, which is mostly a monologue with minimal sound effects and sound design, versus, shoot, by the time we got to chapter four, which we featured, I mean... You know how I feel about dropping people right in. Boom. That phone starts ringing. 
the minute, uh, the, the second you, you click play and it, it never slows down. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I'm, I, and I have the same approach too. I'm always tweaking things. I'm always refining stuff. No reason to fall into that habit of sameness. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody listens to a podcast because every episode follows the exact same format and is 22 minutes and 14 seconds long. That's not what people are listening for. Now, clearly you can go too far with that. You know, you, if, if you're normally doing a 22 minute and 14 second long show and you drop a two hour long episode, you might have some disappointed listeners and you probably will hear back from them or they just will leave you and not tell you anything whatsoever. Or if you have been doing an interview style podcast and you suddenly drop a you decided to change up and make a full audio drama, your audience is going to have some challenges. But again, it goes back to that intentionality. We're not talking about making wholesale changes here. We're talking about continually refining what you do so that you love it more and which will make your audience love it more. I mean, I, I think that's always going to be the case. I, I can't think of many times where a podcaster has said, I'm going to make modifications, not wholesale changes, but modifications to my show so that I, the podcaster, enjoy it more, whether enjoy listening to it or whether enjoy making it more. I'm making these modifications. I don't know of any times where the audience says, nah, not for me. I wanted it exactly the way it was previously. That minor tweak you made was a bridge too far. I'm, I'm done with that. Sure, I think that can happen over time if you keep making modifications and changing it. That might be the case. But I also think that your audience will evolve with you, just like your show evolves with you. Why not embrace that? I think trusting in the audience is intelligence is also important. I've, I've never, I've never made a change with like obscure ball my my personal show i've i've never i've never made a change to to it that i had to explain to anybody it was just more kind of like all right like a good a good example was in the in the early episodes you know it was kind of a stock intro and then you know a 15 minute monologue me just storytelling with some background uh, I got bored with that about three episodes in and quickly kind of pivoted more to same narrative style, right? But now I'm talking to people too. Now I have, now I'm bringing on writers. I'm bringing on uh, experts, you know, whoever, right? I, I never, I never, you know, opened the show with and, and this is going to be different. It's just like, look, it's still fundamentally, it's still always been the sh same show. Just it's been for the, for the past three years, three years and change that I've been making it. I've made slight changes and have just brought the audience along with me, you know, and the audience has grown, albeit slowly. So obviously they don't, they don't hate it. Yeah. Well, you, you brought up trust. I think that's another theme that we talked about quite a lot uh, during the eight episodes we did right now, trusting your audience, trusting your guest. If in fact you have a guest, trusting your own skills as a podcaster, as a storyteller, as a content creator, Trusting that you may not know everything, but if you continue to move forward and try new things again, I'll go back to with intentionality, it's probably going to work out. It might not, but the cool thing is if it doesn't work out, then you just do something different next time. You're not you're not stuck, you know? You're you you have the ability, you're you're in control. Most podcasters are in control of their show. Not all, but but most of us are in totally in control of our show. So we get to make the right decisions. And I think having that trust for all of the people involved, your production partners, your audience, the, the, the people that you rely on, your guests, your, your own skills is, is super important to growing and continuing to make great podcast content. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you talked about that, the people you collaborate with as well. 
I've noticed the success rate among hosts, even if they created the show, even if it's like their thing, the ones who place a lot of trust in their editors and their producers and whoever else they work with, the ones who are willing to give up a little bit of creative control, I think end up with a much better end result than people who are just like, no, this is the thing, your job, your only job is to execute it as I am telling you to. I've worked, I've worked in both. I've, I've experienced both as a producer and as an editor. I prefer the first one. I prefer the one where it's collaborative, where as an editor, I have latitude to make certain decisions. I think, I think things end up better that way. I think there's some, you know, again, there's some like really good examples of that throughout this season. I think Avery Truffleman, you know, she places a lot of trust in her producer, Megan Kinane and the team at Fox and Curbed. You know, Sam Greenspan was very willing to enlist the help of, you know, someone to to create a music suite for them, to hire the voice actors to play the roles of Icarus and Cass, to, to lean on other people for some help. And this was, if you think about Bellwether, this was Sam's pet project for five years. Yeah, and, and they were willing to, I think, give up a little bit of that control because they understand the importance of collaboration. I think... Uh, yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, but yeah, it's no fun. It's no fun to work with a control freak. Yeah, I don't think micromanagers are going to do very well in podcasting. I mean, you're just, it's just not, it's not going to work out very well. Now, sure, if I'm training up a new producer or a new engineer, then clearly we're going to go second by second. And I'm going to talk about why a fade should be this long and why these certain decisions were not quite as perfect as they could have been. Yeah, I want to tweak that stuff. But bringing it back to the show, like when Jack Recider tells a researcher to go spend 50 hours figuring out the right way to tell this story, Jack's not going to spend an additional 50 hours making sure that they got all the right research done and it's all done in the right order. He has to trust that person that he has paid to do the job to actually do the job. It really, it goes back to the idea of trust. Once again, you got to make sure that all the right things are in there. And if you're the kind of person who needs to tightly control every single thing that you have, well, okay, sure. You can still make a podcast as, as well, but then you're really stuck with it. Just you and, and not, and not the rest of the talents of the other people. So I, I, I caution against that. Yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Um, okay, so a couple other themes. I, I think we hit on it pretty well during the episode, so we, we don't really want to spend a lot of time on it. I just want to kind of bring it back to the audience attention. Uh, how, how important it is to, to start an episode very strong. I think every podcast we featured, I think they do some kind of custom intro of some sort. I don't think that's an absolute requirement. I've heard stock intros that are pretty good. It can be done very well, but I but I but I think you lose a little bit of the intimacy. And podcasting is a pretty personal and intimate experience if you think about it. As you said before, you know, pot, most a lot of podcasts are are pretty niche, and that creates you know a level of, of intimacy. And I, I my personal belief is taking that extra hour hour and a half per episode. To, to make some kind of custom intro. I, I think it's one of those changes, relatively small changes you can make that takes your production level to the next, to the next level. It's going to improve the listening 
experience. If you're doing something that's the same every single week, I think people are going to start treating it as as background noise. And, you know, I see a, a lot of podcasters, look, there's, I think there's a lot of easy tweaks that podcasters who want to take it to the next level can make. And, and this is one of them. And it can be an easy tweak or it can be a very complicated tweak. It, it doesn't have to take the hour and a half that you mentioned. I think it probably, if you have an hour and a half to spend on it, by all means, spend an hour and a half. But even if you're doing what I'm just going to call a boring business-to-business interview show, like many podcasts do right now. You can make that sound better just by going into your episode, finding an interesting 15 seconds, some wonderful, very powerful thing that your guest said, dropping that as your cold open. That's a strong opening. Someone listens for 15 seconds and go, holy cow, that's what I'm going to hear in this episode? That is super important to me. I don't think it takes, in most cases, I don't think it takes a massive amount of work. Now, if you're doing a, an, a clearly an audio drama or something like that where you're actually narrating a story that is on a script form, okay, you, you can't make those same quick, easy changes. But then again, shouldn't the script be strong? I mean, honestly, really, shouldn't the script be strong enough? Shouldn't every episode start strong? I don't. There's not a good reason that I can think of to have a show, to have an episode of a show, start any way other than strong. Because a strong intro means people are going to keep listening to the whole show. I think. Yeah, that's just it, and I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you made that distinction because I was thinking of it. Again, maybe my own personal bias because I make narrative podcasts. I was thinking I, I have a habit of writing these very long, stem-winding monologues that touch on the subject of the show, but kind of tee it up in an interesting or of the episode, but kind of tee it up in an interesting way. Yeah, if, if you're if you've got an interview style show, it's it's really that simple. It, it's, it's, that's really all it is, and that's certainly not an hour and a half extra of work. So good good catch on that one, Evo. All right, so. One other theme, I guess, I wanted to to touch on was uh, newcomers, people who are who are who are new at podcasting. Michael Trapani had never done anything in entertainment really prior to this, and uh, Jocelyn Kritsky, Kritsky, sorry, Jocelyn Kritsky, who is the executive producer and creator of A Simple Her Story, had a theater background. I think it's so important that newcomers that that were welcoming and highlighting newcomers and that were were we you and I being people with each of us with more than 10 years of experience in this field that we that we're willing to learn from them as well I made the point with Jocelyn you know in our pre-call with her and I know you said it during during the interview I told her pretty frankly I was like I'm really glad I wasn't your producer for for the show because I would have I would have fought back against a lot of your ideas and I'd have been wrong. Right. Because I think like, I, I think sometimes you need, you need people coming in and disrupting, breaking down some of those barriers and challenging those of us who have, who have been around a while. And, uh, you know, again, like Mike, Michael Trapani, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I never quite understood how he settled on that format because there were so many ways he could have presented that, right? I mean, I think a lot of people in his position would have just said, again, not to not to harsh too much on on what we're calling border, boring interview shows, but it wouldn't have been all that hard to interview some authors and professors and people like that. But he took the load, the road less traveled, uh, and it took him six years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he budgeted out a lot of times. He was someone who did do everything himself, and that, that's why it took him six years to do on top of 
you know, having, having a full-time job. So yeah, a big shout out to the newcomers. I think everyone else we talked to was, was relatively experienced. Maybe, maybe Dan Cable, but you know, at this point his show is several years old, so I don't really consider him a newcomer, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I love people who enter podcasting with lots of experiences in other realms who know something else and they want to bring it and put it in a podcast form. I think that's wonderful. We, we need that. And the only rules we have in podcasting are technical rules that if we make, you know, how to actually make the audio file get to someone's MP3 player on their phone or whatever. That's the easy part. Actually, it's that creative hard part that's fun. So yeah, when you, if, if, if someone is brand new to the space who says, I've got an idea that I think I want to see how it executes well on audio. We need that. We need that break, break all the ground out, out there. You possibly can and just make something compelling. We want to listen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a good example, I think maybe the last one we haven't really talked about was, was dirt cheap. And you know, we, we really, I think, zeroed in with them. They had their concept down pretty pat, I think. And there were a lot of roads they could have taken that would have, I think, led to failure or to a dead end. And with them, it was really about the structure. And that goes back to what we were saying about trusting, you know, your collaborators, right? I think, and learning from them too. I, I think in that case with, with Jeffrey and Amanda, Obviously, being married, they've got a pretty good rapport with one another, I would hope. But they, they learned how to start John, or, or uh, Jeffrey mentioned that they learned how to start playing to the edits because it was for to catch listeners up on that. If you haven't heard that episode, Jeffrey and Amanda, uh, the, the premise and its most uh, and its most simple explanation is the two of them would go to rec- a recording studio. Jeffrey had been reading this really, really bad like noir novel uh bad like i'm talking i'm talking tommy was so the room bad <laughs> and uh, that show has its fans but continue <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know so he, he'd read this this just kind of moronic novel to amanda who hadn't read it and she'd react in real time part of the brilliance in that show of course is is her commentary they're they're back and forth there's that and that works but what makes that show also work is the editing, the production, the the people who, at Neon Hum, Neon, uh, they, it's it's Neon Hum was was the ones who uh, bankrolled that that whole project, uh, they and adding structure to it and giving it a story arc of, uh, you know, twelve episodes or however long that season lasted, that trust, that mutual trust uh, of all the people who collaborate and that is really important. It would be the cheapest podcast in the world to go buy a dime story novel to sit around with your friends and, and riff lots of people try stuff like that but they don't really have a structure to their episodes that people can follow i think they assume well we're funny we all make each other laugh surely the audience will come along with us but i, I don't think i could sit and listen to an hour and a half of people t- laughing and talking over each other and everyone trying to chime in i think it was a little bit Dirt Cheap's a little bit chaotic by design, but it's controlled chaos. And that structure that they had and that trust and that ability to collaborate, I think really made that a hit podcast. And it's really funny. My God, it's funny. 
Jeffrey and Amanda are just a delight. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, they they clearly know how to make each other laugh, which is, you know, comedians, that's their greatest goal in life is to make the other comedian they're on stage with laugh. Then they know they've they've done it properly. They, they've really nailed it down. But yeah, you're right. I mean, structure is, is so important. You know, uh, yeah, people will go and spend tickets to listen to, you know, jam bands just play music randomly for three hours. But that's not most people. <laughs> most people want a little more structure uh, in their lives. And just because people are funny or can tell a good story, you know, at some point in time, you run out of stories to tell and the audience around you is going to wander away. So putting, having some piece of structure, having lots of pieces of structure that are, that help the natural talents or the, or the learned skills that you have come forth and make the story come to life is, is so important. We can't be all chaos all the time. You can have chaotic pieces, but it needs to have a structure. You know, every story needs a beginning, a middle, and an end. Whether you tell them in that order or not, it doesn't matter. But, you know, being able to know you've got that nice structure down helps your audience feel like they're part of the process themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because ultimately, look, I mean, people, by and large, listen to podcasts for selfish reasons, which I don't mean pejoratively, right? But I mean, if you're not ex if you're not providing an experience that a listener can enjoy, or if you're not uh, providing information that they can find useful, uh, well, then you're probably yeah. not going to have much of an audience no, at all. Uh, four million podcasts out there. So if someone is bored with what you were doing, they will probably find someone else doing very close to what you're doing and just doing a better job at it. So yeah. They take a little bit extra time. Wouldn't be a bad idea. All right. Well, so Evo, that's, you know, that, so season two, I think we can go ahead and declare it a success. I think. I, <laughs> I I'd agree. Can, yes. Yeah. It's, it was, it was a good, it was a we, good season. We, we had a good time with it. I, 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 I want to thank people who listened and a lot of like the messages and stuff I got from people uh, who, who, who listened and encouraged us through all of this. That was, that was really uh, really touched my heart that that people did that and that people were tuning in and enjoying it. Um, like I was just like I was just saying, you know, people want to get something, expect to get something out of an episode, and for us to be able to provide that for people as well as providing a platform to our, our fellow creators, uh, this was a choice gig, and I'm I'm lucky to have been a part of it. But it's also, I guess, this is also where we'll kind of announce to the world that for now. Um, three clips is going to go on a bit of a hiatus, so to speak. It's not going to disappear. You should stay subscribed. We're planning to do some re-airs and that type of thing. But uh, for now, for those of you who are curious about you know upping your your podcast game or your audio creation abilities, stay tuned to to cat the things we're doing at Castos. We've our other show audience is we're still going to be putting those out every single week, and I think we're going to be bringing some of the concepts from three clips to that. Um, and Evo, I think even uh, to some extent, you're going to be involved uh, from time to time. Yeah, that's that is that is what I hear. Yeah, more good stuff coming from Castos. Um, and again, I want I want to thank Castos for the opportunity to to do this and to work with you. I think it's been great. Uh, and we set out to do well. I think we did exactly what we set out to do with three clips. And I know that Castos has had Castos had goals for three clips, and Castos has goals for audience, the show that's ongoing. So we'll see more of that. Why don't you take a minute, Stuart, and just give a thirty second overview of what audience is about and why podcasters who are listening to three clips should listen to audience. Yeah. So audience is, it's really an inside look at 
all things podcasting, right? So with three clips, we really focused on like the creative process, right? Uh, and we do some of that in audience, but it's also really nuts and bolts type stuff, right? Marketing, analytics, monetization. And at Castos, you know, we do, we have a lot of those tools. If, if you're not, if you're looking for a good place to host a podcast, uh, you know, obviously we would encourage you to to sign up for Castos, but even if even if you're just curious about podcasting, l- listen to audience. We we talk to to all different types of guests. Uh, I I know, you know, looking to the future, you know, we're we're really really going to encourage people to find ways to monetize their their podcasts using integrative tools like Stripe and our po- our private podcasting feature. It, it's really great. I mean. I know this isn't a 30 second overview, <laughs> Evo. So you're editing yeah. it. So it's up to you. <laughs> yeah, it's not a 30 second. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it all in, but um, yeah. So that's the type of thing they can expect. Really, really nuts and bolts types of stuff. You know, we're asked a lot, how do we grow our audience and how do we make a living making a podcast? And so we, we really want to help people with those two things. Um, and, and we have the tools, we have all the tools you need and, and castos to do that growing your audience can be really tricky but like we were seeing earlier you know podcasting is really niche and that actually allows you instead of worrying about having a big audience it allows you to focus on the right audience um kind of little uh, working working the the title of the show in there as well <laughs> uh so yeah that's i know that's a little bit of a broad answer but that those are the types of things they, they can expect you know really just inside looks and advice and expertise on on the, the nuts and bolts of, of making a podcast unless I guess I'll call it the esoteric creative inspiration that we were getting from three clips even though I think we got a little bit of of some uh, also actionable and, and practical advice and uh, yeah, I, I think um, you, you can expect to hear me some. I do. I do a few of those episodes. You know, about once a month, you can hear uh, an episode. You know, produced by by me. Um, and then yeah, some some other great things. Probably some three clips reairs. I, I would hope. I think that's my understanding. Is uh, we've got a great archive of material dating back. You know, three years now, and it's great. It's going to be great to revisit some of that. You know, I. I, I, that's one thing I'm really excited about is really just using this time that we're stepping away from three clips to, to really celebrate the show, really go in and instead of thinking so much about the next episode, looking back on, on what we've done and finding ways that it's still applicable to today. So I'm, I'm personally looking forward to that a lot. Well, podcasters need more help. They need more understanding Sometimes those are deep dive. Sometimes those are philosophical, but it's always about helping podcasters grow and audiences designed to help people do just that, grow that audience. So it's definitely worth subscribing to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and finally, before before we we sign off on this, I, there's there's a lot of people who made three clips possible over the years. Obviously, you know Jay Akunzo, I think deserves a lot of credit for thinking of this, designing it, growing it, really kind of bringing it to Casto. So so big props to Jay, and uh, Jay's the one who who brought me on board uh, for three clips, let me become involved. Uh, our, our previous uh, producers, uh, Sherry Turner, Andrea Moraskin, and and Jude Brewer. You know, I got to work with just about all of them in some capacity, more so Jude and Jay and you, but Andrea and Sherry also 
really stepping in and expanding the types of podcasts that were were being featured. And then Craig and Matt uh, for you know helping guide us through this this kind of hosting shift and really you know using using the resources that Castos has to help improve the show. And then of course you, Evo. I mean you you did a great job this this past season. I had a front row seat. I felt like every episode I had a front row seat, like a master class of making audio, listening to to you talk to to Sam Greenspan and Avery Truffleman. I mean, uh I feel I felt like for this past season I was the luckiest producer in the world, uh getting to do that. So it was it was pretty awesome. Well thank you for making me and I guess the guests too, but mostly me sound great. Uh, that's always good. It's important to me <laughs> making a great show. Clearly the audience really enjoyed it. And uh, it, was, it was a pleasure. And I know this won't be the last time we work together. Definitely not. Um, until then though, uh, play it forward. Evo, we've heard, we've heard from everybody their their play it forward segment. We even got to hear from me in the mid season recap. We haven't heard from you yet. Evo, what's a, what's a podcast you listen to? And I'm actually I'm going to try to put a stipulation on this now too because all right I hope this doesn't throw you off too much. You and I both ostensibly get paid to listen to podcasts. If you want to think about it that way, right? If you count the research and think about it like that, we 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 listen and analyze podcasts and break them apart for a living. That's what we do. But I also listen to podcasts for fun, and I want to. I, I assume you do too. So for your play it forward, I want you to think about this. You're not, you're not prepping for one of your podcast pontification episodes. You're not. It wasn't for for three clips. This was just Evo's downtime listening to a podcast. Do you have an answer for that, or do you want to go with what you originally picked? No, I, I luckily it all fits in together. So yeah, it it is the same time. I I listen to podcasts like you uh, a lot uh, because it's my job. But I also listen to podcasts a lot for pleasure. Sure, less of news, ideas like that. But so I'll stick with the ones on the pleasure, pure, just enjoying myself. You know, it's it's a Sunday. I'm going on a bike ride. What am I listening to? Uh, and and the show that I listen to is by an author. His name is Scott Sigler. And Scott and I have known each other since the beginning of podcasting. He was one of the very first authors I started working with when I created PatioBooks.com back in 2005, where Scott released uh, his own version of him reading his book, which he had written already. He read it, he narrated it into a microphone, and made it into a podcast all the way back in 2005 is when that started. Well, Scott hasn't stopped. Here we are, some 17 years later, and almost every Sunday, without fail, and oftentimes more than once a week, Scott is continuing to share his fiction with his audience with the with with the world via a podcast free to listen to content and i think he's released 30 different books through his podcast rss feed uh, all of which are still available in one form or another and and he's been doing a fantastic job it's him it's his writing he narrates he does have some people that help him now produce the show 17 years year on because he he writes about science fiction stories and you need to put funny voices and filters and other special effects to go with them. So he has a crew that does that, uh, but it's all his content and he's sharing it. And the great thing is he's not just reading, you know, random passages, right? He starts with chapter one of a book and reads that book until it's done and then starts his another book that he has. These are books you can buy from Audible in many times as an audiobook form. These are books you can go buy at your local bookstore or download from, from Amazon. Uh, but he also makes them available for free and it's 
it works great. I mean, his audience loves it. Uh, it's fun to listen to. Uh, it's he's just a, a, a treat because he's he's weird <laughs> and tells he's an amazing storyteller. He writes stories that you wouldn't think are all that great. I mean, like what if 600 years from the future football was played by aliens and human beings and also gangsters were in charge of all of it? That's that's a series he has called the Galactic Football League, and it's huge. His fans love it, and they love listening to every single thing, uh, every episode that comes out as a, as a new book comes out in that series. So check out Scott Sigler. Just search for him on your favorite podcast listening app, Scott Sigler, S-I-G-L-E-R, and you will dive into the Siglerverse, which is a, quite a deep, deep dive. Well, Evo, then I guess I guess that's a wrap, man. I guess that's it for now. Yeah, yeah, this has been a fun season. Thank you very much, Stuart, for joining me on the show and making me sound good, like I said before. And I'm going to echo the words I say on every other episode of season two of this. I truly believe that the best way we can become better podcasters is by understanding what goes on inside the heads of our fellow podcasters. And it's been a wonderful season. With that, cheers. <laughs>